Heidi Murkoff wrote what is now known as the world's best-selling pregnancy book titled What to Expect When You're Expecting. Anyone familiar with it? Anyone read it? Come on, be on it. Yeah, I, 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 expe I fully expected that there'd be a few. The book has been so successful, would you believe, that it sold well over 20 million copies. It's actually spawned a whole series of what to expect books, all to do with pregnancy. It's been published in 30 languages. It's currently available in its fifth revised edition. It actually has, you can get an Australian version or an American version. It's like, it's culturally specific. And it was even made into a feature-length film, a rom-com, of course, in about 2012. Now, I've never read the book. I certainly haven't watched the movie. <laughs> I do recall, Tiana, am I right, that you had a copy of it beside the bed when you were pregnant with Grace 10 years ago? So I, I'm familiar, and I don't get any royalties for mentioning it. I just like the title. I just like the title. I think it's a really good title. In fact, clearly, I think the concept and the title of what to expect when you're expecting clearly has struck a chord with lots of other people, judging by its success and its popularity. And I wonder why that is. You realise what that is? It's because expectations, especially, especially expectations about significant moments in life, like the birth of a first child, the thing about expectations is often you haven't got a clue what to expect. You haven't got a clue as to whether your expectations are accurate or not. It's difficult to judge whether what I'm expecting is realistic or whether it's even in the ballpark of reasonableness, yes? And so the idea of someone giving you insight into expectation, what to expect while you're expecting, I think that's a cracking title. It's an excellent concept, very appealing. And as we've already heard by, from Jeff and from Liz and Amy, Christmas Day and the Christmas story in particular is one of those times where expectations, they need to be managed well. Expectations at Christmas need to be... I wonder how many of us have had uh, to, to do this with our families, or maybe children, uh, maybe not children. Who, who's used a phrase like, for example, now don't expect this too much at this time at Christmas, okay? Don't expect too much. It's been a tough year. I know you've had your heart set on a night force rifle scope, a 5 to 25 by 56 mil. I know, Tim, but don't get your hopes up. Who else? Anyway, surely I'm not the only one that's heard that <laughs> You know what? The very first Christmas night, in fact, the passage we heard Jeff read out earlier was actually littered with expectations from different characters. Some of the expectations were met. Some of the expectations were dashed. Some, of the, some expectations were exceeded in strange and unexpected new ways. And I want us to spend a couple of minutes just turning there and having a quick look at these, have a bit of a gander at these, because regardless of the expectations that were present on the surface, what we actually read here is that despite the expectations, God is at work in every fulfillment, in every redirection, in every surprise, regardless of the expectation, and the same is true today. The Christmas account really ought to be your guide for what to expect when you're, inspect, when you're expecting in relation to things about God and how he works. So look with me, if you've got your Bibles there, look with me, the first chapter in the text. Who's the first character we meet? What's his expectation? Caesar Augustus. Chapter 2, verse 1 says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree, a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
and everyone went to their own town to register. Seems like a you know, pretty tame way to start this, uh, this story. Seemed pretty benign at many levels. But what I want you to see is read through the lens of expectations, what's Augustus expecting? What's he expecting as he issues this decree? It's not rocket science. This is not a tricky question. Simply put, he's expecting that people would follow his decree. He's the emperor. He would have expected that people would do what he asked to do, and he would have expected that the data generated from his census, you know, the couple of guys sitting at the table, he would have expected that the data generated would help him gain insight into how much tax he could expect to gather across his empire. He would have expected maybe that this would have some hopeful you know, something hopeful to say about what he could, uh, you know, think about his future. i tell you what Caesar Augustus wasn't expecting. He wasn't expecting that his census decree would be the mechanism by which God would use to fulfill an ancient prophecy. He wasn't expecting that. And yet, that's exactly what happened. You see, Micah, the prophet Micah, prophesied that Israel's forever king would come from Bethlehem. Micah 5.2. God's forever king is going to come from this little place. You, Bethlehem, little space of Bethlehem, a little bit of a know-nothing space up in the middle. Of... What's going on here? The... But there's a problem, you see. There's a problem here. The problem is that Mary and Joseph don't live in Bethlehem. They live in Galilee. They live in Nazareth of Galilee. And that's a long way from Bethlehem. That's like over 150 k's. And they weren't driving Lamborghinis. So we've got a massive problem here, you see, because if the angel's message to Mary earlier in Luke was right, Luke one thirty one, you can look at that later on, if Mary was really going to give birth to God's own son, the forever king of Israel, but she lives in Nazareth, then how is Micah going to be proved right here? How is this prophecy going to come off? How is this going to, how is this going to come to pass? What could possibly, now, I've never been pregnant, but what could possibly motivate a heavily pregnant woman to walk, even ride a donkey, 150 k's, around about the time she was due to give birth? What could motivate a husband to expect his wife ready to get? How about an emperor's decree? You see, Joseph, we read, and Mary too, actually, were from the line of David, and therefore it's expected they are obligated to travel to Joseph's ancestral home, to travel to Bethlehem in Judah because of Augustus's decree at the precise time that Mary would give birth to this miracle child. Was this what Caesar Augustus was expecting? The advancement of God's kingdom purposes and the fulfillment of ancient prophecy? Not even close. But here's the kicker, and I want you to see this. I'm going to repeat this a thousand times. If you remember nothing else, remember this. God is working in on and through every event in human history to advance his story. That's what to expect when you're expecting. Well, what about the next set of characters, Joseph and Mary? They're expecting parents. What would you assume they would have had? You would assume, in fact, they would have all sorts of expectations about becoming first-time parents. Do you think for a moment that it would have included a seven-day trek to Judah? Do you think for a moment it would have included getting there and having no accommodation? Do you think it could possibly have been, have included Mary giving birth, surrounded by farm animals, and instead of a crib, she'd lay her newborn son in a feeding trough? 
I don't think that's what she expected. And yet this is the precise sign that God would use to convince the first hearers of his saving plan for humanity in action. A baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger? We'll, we'll read a little bit what the angels said to the shepherds, but that's what they said. Verse 12, have a look at it there. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. That's a bizarre image. How many newborns before or since have had their first kip outside the womb in a manger? <laughs> Not many, I'm going sus- I'm gonna, I'm gonna to suspect. What would Mary and Joseph have expected? It's not what they would have expected. But I want to say it ought to be what you should expect when you're expecting because God is working in, on and through every event in human history to advance his story. What about the shepherds, our third characters, our third bunch? That night in the fields around Bethlehem, what were they expecting? Quiet night, catching a few zeds against a tree, maybe swapping the odd mozzie here or there. At worst, they're probably expecting to have to, you know, maybe an attack from a wolf or a, or a fox. That's the sort of threat when you're out camped out in the open. I tell you what they didn't expect. They didn't ex- expect verse 9. They didn't expect an angel of the Lord to appear to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. You bet they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. That will be the cause for great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And if that wasn't weird and unexpected enough, have a look at verse 13. Suddenly, a huge bunch of angels fill the night sky singing. And what's their song? Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. Can you imagine? I can't imagine it. It's almost unbelievable to think, isn't it? And yet you won't believe it. You won't believe it. Because this is a historical record of eyewitness accounts. In fact, Luke makes this abundantly clear. Luke, the writer of this account, makes it clear in the very first chapter. His opening statements in Luke's gospel. Have a look at it there. What does he say? I've spoken to the eyewitnesses. I've investigated everything from the beginning carefully. And I've written an orderly account. Why? So that you can be certain of the things you've heard, of the things you've been taught. How does Luke know what went on out in the fields of Bethlehem? He wasn't there. He spoke to the shepherds. He wasn't writing fairy tales. He's not writing complex allegories. He's not even writing moralistic teaching points. He's writing an historical account of real people about real events. Make no mistake about that. And he expects that you would hear it so that you could be certain of what you've heard. I wasn't there. You weren't there. They were. And if that's true, and it is, then what's the significance of this historical event for us here today? 2020, what are we up to? 21? Jesus was born 4 BC, oddly enough. 2025 years later. Well, what did, you, did you notice the significance of the message from the angels? It's a good news message. 
a saviour born, God's Messiah, the Lord. Now that is not news that is only significant or relevant to a bygone era. That news still has massive significance, massive import today. In fact, it's still news that you ought to be listening to. It's news that echoes into eternity. Because this is the moment in human history where God revealed his saving plan for a fallen, rebellious, sinful humanity. This is the occasion where God announced the means by which he would fulfill his promises to Abraham in Genesis 12, promises to Israel as a nation, promises to King David. You go back and we see Paul saying that in in Jesus, all the promises of God are yes. Promises that had people of every time period, of every nation in its scope from the beginning, and it's all focused now on the birth of this particular baby born in unexpected circumstances, to unexpecting parents and announced to unsuspecting shepherds. And yet, folks, when we're thinking about God and who he is and how he operates, this ought be what to expect when you're expecting. Why? Because God is at work in, on and through every human event in history to advance his story. So what do we do with it all, folks? How does it or how ought it impact you personally, whether you are here today and you're 8 or 80? Well, you see, Christmas Day is the day to reevaluate your biggest expectations. It's the right time to stop and reevaluate your expectations about life and even about death. And surprisingly, probably, unexpectedly, maybe, find that these cannot just be enlarged but fulfilled by Jesus, the baby born at Christmas. He didn't stay a baby. The baby born at Christmas, who becomes a sinless sacrifice on a cross of Easter, who becomes a triumphant saviour, risen from the grave, who is the God of the universe, still still standing to offer peace and forgiveness and the hope of eternity to those who recognise they still need it. You see, the announcement of the angels that Jesus was born as a saviour, Do you know what's tacitly implied there? It means people need saving. You don't need a saviour unless you're in strife. Anyone been sitting on the beach at Bondi and called for a lifeguard? No, when you do that, you do that when the waves are breaking over your head and you can't get back. A saviour comes for people who need saving. And unless you are, let me say this generously as I can, unless you are delusional, ignorant or completely arrogant, You and I are included among the number that need saving. Don't get me wrong, a lot of nice people here this morning, a lot of people who others would describe as there's a good guy, there's a good gal, and I have no problem with that. But good enough for God. Good enough to stand before him, the perfect judge, who sees your heart, who knows every thought, word and deed in its entirety. Good enough for him able to stand before that judge and be expected to go well done terrific start really i don't think so not me and yet here we hear the exclusive offer of peace to those on whom god's favor rests a tailor-made savior for people who realize they need saving before a holy righteous and a holy righteous god His name is Jesus, God with us. 
Friends, my question to you this morning is, are you among the number of people on whom God's favour rests? I'll tell you how you can answer that question. Ask this question. Has God humbled you to realise your desperate need for Jesus? Do you know your need for him above all else? Because if out of anything that you might have desired or expected for Christmas, out of anything you may have already received at Christmas, nothing compares with the offer of peace with God through the Saviour Jesus. Every other gift every other relationship, every other expectation that might have been fulfilled for you, that you might have received this Christmas, by definition will spoil, perish or fade. But God's gift of Christ lasts for eternity. Do you personally know that gift of peace and assurance of the eternal salvation through Jesus? Have you found yourself included in his story? It starts with a baby born at this time of year. It's what you can expect when you're expecting. Friends, I'm going to pray. If that's ringing some jingle bells in your ears, <laughs> if, that's prom- if that's prompting a question or a, cur- a cause for concern or a new expectation, could you please come and chat to me afterwards? Come and ask a question. Talk to someone here that you know is a Christian and say, what the heck is that chap on about? That's all right with me as well. Whatever you do, don't miss out on the opportunity to fail, actually, to appreciate and celebrate the greatest joy of Christmas. It's in Christ alone. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we actually can be expectant. We can be expectant of your grace to us, your offer of mercy and forgiveness made available for Jesus, still relevant, pertinent, necessary, urgent. And we pray, Father, that you would help us today, in fact, that you would humble us today, that regardless of how good we are in the eyes of others, regardless of how upright and shiny or polished our life might be, we ask that you would help us to see our desperate need before you of a saviour and find him in Jesus. We pray it for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to come and we're going to sing a song that actually speaks to this very issue. Come thou long expected.